Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Western Province and Stormers career of the legendary Corne Kricher. Corne, welcome back to Front Row Rugby. Thanks very much, Peter. Nice to be here. Now, let's begin with how you actually first were called up to play for Western Province. Tell us that story. Yeah, it's actually a very long story. You know, I, my parents came from, from from Zambia, and as young children, we we were sent to Paul because my parents, my grandparents, lived in Paul. So I landed up in Paul Boys Eye, um, and from there on in, really, you know, started my my rugby career at school, and then obviously played Western Province under 13, Western Province under 19, and in the end, played um, for Western Province. And it was always my dream to play for Western Province. And then obviously later on, the Stormers came, you know, came out of that. And uh, yeah, so between the two, I played about 150 games for, for the two, two teams. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about the Stormers in a moment, but let's uh, talk about the mid-90s for a moment. 1996, things didn't really go so well for Western Province. I think it's fair to say that the team lagged behind the Bulls, the Cheetahs and those sides, the Sharks and the Lions as well at that stage. But then in 1997, Harry Phil Yoon came in and turned things around quite incredibly. What was it about Harry that made things so much different? Yeah, so 1996 was actually my first season for, for Western Province. I had a solid 86 kilograms. And um, when Harry came in in 1987, he said, look, I'm in 90, 1997. He said, look, you've got you to pick up weight. And, um, you know, I like the way you play, but you've got to pick up weight. So myself and Percy McCormick and Bobby Skinstead and a whole lot of young guys, Robbie Flick, Oti there were a whole lot of us young guys who come out of the under twenty ones, and 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 Harry Harry's approach was was one of the business approach. You know, like running a business and running a sports team is pretty much the same thing. So he, he really focused on um, on getting systems in place, getting us to believe that that the the pattern that we can play, the style of rugby that we can play, you know, is the one to take and. Um, no, he, he was a he was an incredible guy, and really incentivized the guys to to play well. And yeah, from from being nowhere in 1996, not even making the the um, Super Rugby team at that of, of grade at that time, you know, we we won the Curry Cup in 1997. It was amazing. I remember it very fondly, as you can imagine. But Corne, winning that 1997 Curry Cup final may have been a little bit bittersweet for you personally, having suffered a cruciate knee ligament injury. Yeah, it, it was terrible. You know, I was I was already selected for the Springbok team. Those days, they announced the Springbok team beforehand, and um, yeah, I got injured in the final. I tore my anterior cruciate ligaments, so that was the end of my. My 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 first, would have been my first uh, first uh, overseas tour with the Springboks, you know. So I was terribly disappointed, but also glad that we at least won the Curry Cup. Now we did mention the Super Twelve a little bit earlier. Let's talk about that. Uh, Western Province had uh, become the Stormers along with Boerland and Southwestern Districts uh, in 1998. I think it's fair to say that those jerseys that the team were wearing in 1998 divided opinion. What was your take on those jerseys? Yeah, they, they were very well known as the fried egg jerseys, you know, so it, it wasn't great. And we didn't have a great Super Rugby anyway in 1998. So a whole lot of us young guys, um, Bobby Skinstead, myself, Robbie Fleck, you know, we formed a, a leadership 
Um, and decided, you know, it's time to change the jerseys. And Bobby was quite instrumental in that. Uh, he had got a creative mind. And so we, we came up with the men in, with, with, obviously with an agency, we came up with the men in black and, and we changed the we changed the whole narrative of, of going from fried eggs to... Because people in, in, with Western Province, they didn't know, really know what to do. So we formed two separate entities, one Western Province and, and Stormers, and later they tried to bring them back together because it's, it's difficult to run two, two sort of two teams in a way, you know, and actually they won. So they late in later years they went back to more blue and blue and white to, to get the stormers closer to Western Bombs. But yeah, the 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 men in black days were incredible. We had we had a very good run right into the semifinals um, at home. And um, unfortunately we lost that game. But it was it was a it was an incredible year. I was in high school at that stage and I remember that anything any of the kids could talk about at that stage was the Stormers and uh, as you say the men in black era very exciting going all the way to the semi-finals performing at a very high level what was it about that team that was so special our unpredictability you know was one of the things that that really um, made us very dangerous you know we had incredible incredibly Dangerous backline players, unpredictable backline players, and and a belief that we could score from anywhere, you know. So if our forwards could could hold just our own, we didn't have to steal balls in the lineup. We didn't have to, um, you know, still uh, get penalties in the scrum. We we just wanted parity up front because we knew we could we could we could run them to pieces, you know. So once you get that belief that you can you can run people to shreds, you know, then it then it becomes quite a nice game to play. And very entertaining from a fan's point of view as well. How disappointing was it to lose in the semi-finals, especially at home? Yeah, it was very disappointing, but it was also there was a bit of controversy because you know we had spoken to Western Province about a bonus incentive if we win the semi-final and go through to the finals, and a semi-final at home at that time was huge for us. And you know, lots of you know. Attacked the Newland Stadium, lots of money for us and problems, and they they really didn't look after us. And so sadly, the the newspapers phoned one of our team members. They did, they didn't phone me. I was the captain. They didn't phone me. They phoned one of the team members, and he um, he said, "Oh, look, you know what? If we don't if we don't get what they what what we want, we're not going to play." So on the Saturday morning before the game. It was on the front page of a newspaper that we're not going to play. So it was crazy. It was an absolutely madness. Um, we had like early morning meetings before the game to try and sort this stuff out. In the end, it was sorted out. And unfortunately, you know, we started well in the game, but, but at that time, the Otago Highlanders, they were, they, were, they were just unbelievable. And with Tony Brown, Tony Brown at class, that day, he carved us up. You know, he was he was just incredible. So disappointing, but also controversial because it was there was a cloud hanging around us that, that you know we were spoiled brats that wanted more money. But it was just one word from one guy. The, other, the rest of the team didn't even know he had said that. So so we were all surprised when when we got phone calls early in the morning. Very disappointing indeed. So, Corner, you mentioned the men in black a little bit earlier, and I wanted to run with that. But let's just go back a step now to 1998, and we mentioned that cruciate knee ligament of yours. You had recovered from that to take your place in the 1998 Curry Cup final against the Blue Bulls at Loftus. Let's settle something once and for all. Chester's try. 
forward pass or not? You know, the, uh, the irony is that um, we um, we actually um, won with a forward with a forward pass in 1997. Um, we said uh, right at the, in the last minute through half uh, minute through a forward pass to the wing, and it was called back. If that scored, they would have won the game. So we won, and literally a year later, we went to Loftus to play the rules. And um, yeah, we, we lost with a forward pass. Uh, look, in the end, it doesn't matter if it's a forward pass or not. You know, there's no TV referees at that time. The fact of the matter is that we, we, we got cleaned up. Um, but you know, the Bulls really uh, took us on up front, and, and we should never have been in the position to lose the game. You know, so, but, but in the end, they played well. And, they probably deserve to win. If you ask Western Province, wasn't a forward pass. If you ask the Bulls, it was definitely a forward pass. Kone, uh, let's go back into 1999 and playing for the Springboks, you suffered another knee injury and that kept you out of the Rugby World Cup that year. That was two knee injuries in the space of approximately two years. Devastating, I'm sure. But what would your advice be to any other sporting professional going through that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, injuries is part of rugby. It's, it's so it's so sad because like, I look at Malcolm Marks now, and I, and I know the feeling. I didn't even get to the World Cup. I, I got injured against the All Blacks in the even for my other my other knees uh, anterior cruciate ligaments. So yeah, uh, it's so disappointing. That's but that's you learn to live with the fact that that's part of rugby, and you can get injured in any game, and it doesn't help you change. It doesn't help you change the way you play because you become you become more careful. You actually get the chances of getting injured become more. You know, so it really is part of the game, but a, but a terrible part of the game, and, and mentally it does knock you a little bit because when you when you come back, you are all very nervous. And you just hope that you know nothing else gets injured. But yeah, missing out on that 1999 World Cup was devastating to me. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? I'll put the link on the screen as well as in the description box and a QR code on the screen for you as well. There will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. You did recover from that into 2000 and Province made the Curry Cup final that year. Away from home, as it turns out, against the Sharks in Durban. I think it's fair to say that the home side started that match as the favourites, especially given that they did have the home advantage. That said, how satisfying was it to go there and win the Curry Cup? Yeah, you know, so we played them in the a, in a, in a, in, in a round robin and at, at home. And they, they they beat us convincingly. You know they dominated us in the finals. Took us apart. You know so so we had lost to think about and and they had a very strong pack of forwards that were they were quite robust and, and busy and, and, and I don't want to say dirty but they were they were they they, they, they tried to dominate us physically. So. We came up with this little plan uh, to to talk about it in the press before, and that you know that their forwards were quite dirty, and and obviously this landed up in, yeah, in the newspapers. And I remember Mark Andrews calling me like in the week before the game because Brayton Paul had said that you know Mark Andrews is a dirty player or something, and it became a very big media thing. So a bit of a, a, a sort of psychological. Um, warfare 
But in the end, when we went up there for the final, they were they were they weren't as dirty and, and as physical as they were in in the round robin, which which counted in our favor, you know. So we we played a we played a brilliant um, game of rugby, and you know, having a dead eye pick in 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 Brown von Straten, who didn't miss any kicks. You know, we managed to um, to win that game. It was very satisfying to to beat the likes of Mark Andrews, John Smith. You know, they had a big team at that time. To beat them at home was, was very satisfying. And then a year later, going back-to-back, back, this time at Newlands, uh, two wins in a row. Inevitably, people are going to ask which one was better. Well, for me, you know, a win at home is always, you know, in front of the faithful crowd at, at Newlands is very special. Obviously, in terms of satisfaction, beating them at the Shark Tank at that time was was very satisfactory. But in terms of the crowd and the the atmosphere in two thousand and one was just incredible. You know, we we played. We were seventeen three down just before half time. And um, Brown von Straten slotted a kick from halfway to make it 17-6 um, going into the into the second half, uh, going into half time. And in, in that second half we, we played incredibly well. You know, we we managed to score a try early and then put the pressure on them and in the end we won. You know, it's it, to beat them home and away was 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 very special. As as I said, you know with with an up and coming uh, captain in John Smith, but also with a very experienced captain in in Mark Anderson. That two thousand and one Curry Cup final, that was actually my matric year corner. So you can imagine just from a personal point of view, it's always really lacquer when your favorite team wins something big in your matric year. But anyway, uh, let's uh, let's just move on a little bit. There's something I'd like to ask you. I've had quite a few rugby World Cup winners on this show. And I've asked them, what does it feel like when the referee blows the final whistle and they've won the Rugby World Cup? And they all say, uh, say that they feel relief rather than extreme joy or whatever the case may be. When you win the Curry Cup, what does that feel like? No, I think the pressure is a lot more in the World Cup uh, and in the World Cup final. So, the Curry Cup final, there's a lot of enjoyment involved. And there's, so yeah, I think it's more... It's more um, ecstasy and, and just really glad that that you managed to win to win a curry cup. And there's a couple of those World Cup winners that you spoke to that never won a curry cup. So, um, so yeah, I if I could choose, I would I would have both. But yeah, I'd rather have a World Cup win than a than a curry cup win. That's for sure. I have no doubt. But I've got to ask you as well, Corne, because as the captain, you get to have a second moment. You have that final whistle moment, but then you get the trophy lifting moment. Describe that to us. You know, as a young, you know, as a young kid, you know, holding up that curry cup in front of you know, 50 odd thousand people at, at Newlands was was incredible. And it was also um, in, in 2000 was the year that I got married. Um, and I had my bachelor's the the weekend before, uh, or the, in the week before the semi-finals. So, the, you know, obviously my bachelor's was a bit rough. So the guys showed, you know, they shaved all my hair. So it looked like I'd stolen the curry cup in 2000, at least in 2001. You know, um, 
It looked like I won the Perry Cup, at least I didn't steal it. I looked like a convict without my head. But yeah, good times and, and, and as I said, not, not that massive pressure that you have with the World Cup fund, which I which you know, I, I can only assume but I've never been there. I've only been to a quarterfinal and never had any pressure and never really. So but yeah, just very special times. Now, you told me a little bit about Harry Fulhoun earlier, but also at Western Province and the Stormers, you played under Alan Zondach, uh, Alan Solomons and Gert Small. Could you tell us a little bit about each of those coaches and their approach? Yeah, Alan Zondach was, was the guy who gave me all the opportunities right in the beginning, you in, know, in in, in, pretty much straight out of out of under 21, you know. So he, he's, he's an absolute genius in, in the way he thinks about the game and still one of the guys I respect the most because of his knowledge of the game. Alan Solomons, again, you know, with also incredible knowledge of the game, a passion um, for the game, but also incredibly hard-working guy who would analyse and analyse and analyse, you know. And his knowledge of the game, he, he had a way to impart that with players. You know, same with Cap Small, also incredibly hardworking guy, no nonsense guy. You never look for trouble with Cap, and but but the players respected him so much that you know you played for him. So well, every coach is a different approach, but in the end, you still got to be be able to build the team spirit, and 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 there must be an enjoyment factor. And I think that's what John Dobson does well now, that there's always an enjoyment factor. There's never, there's never just, you know, crime, crime, crime. There's always an enjoyment factor for the guys. And the last guys to express their, their, their personalities and their, their, their style of play. So last time I had you on Front Row Rugby Corner, you shared a funny story with us from your time with the Springboks. Is there a particularly funny moment you can share with us from your time with Province or the Stormers? Yeah, yeah, there were there were many. You know, I I played with Robbie Fleck, um, which there's there's funny moments all the time. One of one of those funny moments was funny for us, but it wasn't funny for him because we um, we, we we were playing at at Bulang Stadium in Wellington against the Sharks, and we we had to we had to actually make win that game to go through in the in, in, in the in the competition. And uh, Robbie Robbie Flick got the ball and sidestepped about five people as he can as he could do because he, he was he was incredible because he, he could run at full speed and step and not lose space. You know, he's a little bit like a Colby. And um she's he, he beat about five guys, ran right through the whole team and when he got under the poles he he um he could have he'll just take his time. And Dion Kayser didn't didn't never gave up and tackled him from behind and tackled the deal out of his hand. And and he's never lived it down. We we always joked it, we joked, we joked with him about it. But it was quite a serious thing at the time, you know, because in the end we lost that game. We should never have lost it. In the end we lost that game and didn't go three in the Super Rugby. But uh, yeah, I don't think Flecky ever messed around behind trial and ever again, you know, when he when he had the opportunity to score. I think if you type in Robbie Fleck on YouTube, that clip actually comes up first. So you're quite right. Uh Cornet, just before we finish up, what are you up to these days? So I've got an outdoor advertising company. I've got a billboards and, and I sell the space. I'm, I'm really focused in the in the, the, the let's call it the, the township market, um, the lower LSM clients, and um, yeah, 
tough times, good times, same as rugby. Had lots of injuries along the way, lots of lessons, and um, but we've got to learn from those lessons. So, and then I've got another company which which does branding, you know. So we help big companies, you know, build their brands, and. Um, by drinking like promotional items, you know. So, yeah, I really enjoy. I really enjoy what I do. Um, obviously, there's not the job satisfaction that you get when you sing the national anthem in front of sixty thousand people. But nothing else will, you know. So, I always see it as a massive privilege. And um, yeah, nuts. No, head down, grind, and um, enjoy enjoy our kids while, while they're in the house. Kone, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby again. An absolute pleasure. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Peter. Nice.